I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. So you know how awful dog theft is. It's been going on for years. It soared during the pandemic, but it was going on before the pandemic. And it's going on after the pandemic. This is why we're now jumping on Zoom to talk to Dr. Dan Allen about how his new petition is lobbying government to make change. Dr. Dan Allen, Oh, I'm so excited that you're joining us on A Dog's Life. No, thank you ever so much for having me on the show. Because in case anybody doesn't know, apart from being a geography lecturer at Keele University, you are a massive dog lover and you are founder of really the Pet Theft Reform Group that is all connected to SAMPA, the Stolen and Missing Pets Alliance. Is that right, Dan? That's right. Yeah, I'm an animal geographer, so I'm really interested in the cultural significance of animals around the world. And yeah, teamed up with the Stolen Missing Pets Alliance back in 2017. And we founded the Pet Theft Reform Campaign, which has been going ever since. Yes, and very, very needed. I mean, back then, I suppose, before the pandemic, you know, I think people think that dog theft, which is, you know, it's all pets, but primarily dogs, that, you know, the theft of dogs just exploded during lockdown, didn't it, Dr. Dan? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's something where the crime got worse. So it's something whereby, I suppose, an opportunity was seen. It's a low risk, high reward crime. And I suppose because of the lockdowns, other sorts of criminality wasn't necessarily happening. So that was something where the thieves really sort of got, you know, got into this uh, more than they had done previously. But alongside that, because we were in lockdown, you know, people wanted canine companionship. They were lonely. They were kind of, and they had time to potentially train their dogs. And what happened then was there's a massive rise in in prices of, of pups being sold. So it became this, this kind of, you know, easy way of making money for people who are in into that kind of crime. Dogs being stolen, dogs going to puppy farms, puppies being born, being sold for extortionate prices. And yeah, it's something which has always happened. It isn't just, it's not just lockdown related, but it was something where the media really picked up on it. Um, and that's something which I think in the last year or so, the media stopped talking about pet theft and dog theft in particular, uh, even though it is still very much happening. Yeah, I mean, this is the worry. I mean, certainly in lockdown, you know, that the prices of, of dogs, yeah. you know, I mean, it's eye-watering, ridiculous, because the, the demand outstripped the supply. <laughs> and of course, because we couldn't go anywhere, really, everything was being transferred onto the internet. So that, I think, made it easier for some of these scammers to scam people and pursue their dog theft. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's something whereby, you know, things like Lucy's Law, which came in, which is really important, that, you know, where's mum meeting the pup with the mother? Um, that's something which couldn't be done during lockdown because you weren't allowed to go to certain places to to buy puppies and so forth. So there was there's ways in which the, the pandemic basically helped to hide some of the things which were happening, um, which, you know, meant more money could be made and more pets and more families were potentially going to suffer. 
Yes. I mean, lots of people were being ripped off, weren't they? They were putting big deposits down on a puppy they'd seen as a photograph. And then that puppy never existed. And those scammers had run off with you know, a thousand pounds or whatever. I mean, very, very easy money. And as you say, the key bit is really no real high risk, a minute, you know, maximum um, sentence of six months. If that, Dr. Dan. Well, that's that's, that's it. There's, there's, you know, the, the, the chances of being caught for stealing a dog are minimal. So some of the research that I've done looking at freedom information requests from the police, Obviously, a lot of them are inconsistent, a lot of them are incomplete, but it does give us an idea about how how many people get caught, how many people are charged. And recently, there was just 1%. So 99% of, of the people who have stolen dogs have got away with it. Um, you know, that's that's incredible. That's it's, just, it's terrible. It's something which needs to change. And the, the thing is, this, this idea of it being a low-risk, high-reward, um, and I suppose during the pandemic, it was even more of a high-reward because the amount of that money that dogs could be sold for and the scams that were happening was the fact that, there's no deterrent whatsoever. You know, if, if, you, if you're caught and you do get sentenced, the likelihood is you're going to get a small fine just for stealing a pet. Um, obviously, if there's other things included. You might end up getting custodial sentences. But what, what the issue is here, you know, if you've got a rescue dog, which is worth under £500, or if you've got a pedigree dog, which is over £500, in terms of the Theft Act as it stands, for sentencing, you can go into one of those two categories. So, it's a differentiation in terms of what can be sentenced, what can be handed down, whether you've got a, a dog which is monetary value is lower than 500 or over 500. So there's a difference there. There's a distinction between dogs, which are family members, which are being taken from you and the potential sentence that can be given uh, to those who are caught if they are sentenced. And that's wrong. There should be no monetary value attached to this. It should be down to the fact that they are family members. We have an emotional bond. They're sentient beings. Um, and they sh- it should be looked upon as being an animal welfare offence. Uh, not silly, you know, It's not the same as stealing a laptop or a um, mobile phone or a plant pot. But in law, it is. Yes, no, absolutely. I mean, the law, the Theft Act, is it 1967 it came in? and 67, it hasn't been... 68, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it hasn't, it's, it's outdated in relation to this crime. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, probably it was outdated then, to be honest with you, but I suppose people wouldn't think, well, there were less, there were certainly way less dogs in the country in 1967. I don't think we even know those figures. I've recently actually... Dan tried to find the figures of uh, the dog population of 2002 for a feature okay. I've been writing and can't find it um, mm. on the internet. And of course, the PDSA have only been doing their poor report for the last decade. Yeah. So, and I was just really wanting to find the figure because I think it was about 4 million at the time. So that's when I got my first dog as a grown up, Molly, and my first bull terrier, you see, and can't find it anywhere, not an accurate figure. So I couldn't use it in this feature in the end. So, um, yeah, so, you know, we've got this huge boom really in in dogs and there's a whole market attached to dogs now you know dogs are you know to say a real thing is a bit of a a massive understatement but you're right it's this emotional attachment of course and that they are a member of your family that isn't taken into consideration at all by this theft act is it yeah and that's the devastating thing it's you know having spoken to so many families about this and sort of talked about their experiences uh, we've, we've looked at you know just what they're going through and it's absolutely terrible you know if you think about 
The reason why I got into pet theft reform is I had my own dog, Rupert, who sadly passed away a few months back. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've just got to say so sorry. My cat passed away a month ago and I'm still, well, I know it's really awful, actually, because he was toxology, actually. I mean, I knew he'd been poisoned, but toxology, I'm only totally confirmed this uh this week so it's sort of just rid. it's you know you know what i yeah. mean it's like rubbing salt into the wound a bit and uh and that's due to so many foxes now having oh, nowhere no. to live in the shires so they're all living in london yeah. <laughs> and they're I'm causing... so sorry about that oh thanks no cheers <laughs> yes. you know the cats are the same i mean you know they're so different to dogs of course but um you you form such bonds i mean you know it's this interspecies connection and yeah. I, I actually didn't realize you were an animal geographer that is so interesting yeah so, so yeah that, that's it. And it for me it's that human animal bond which is, is key and that's what I'm really interested in uh, the research I'm doing at the moment about pet theft about was well, dog theft in particular but also looking at no pet policy in relation to different different spaces so it could be in recent universities or housing or it could be hospitals uh, they're the sort of things that we're kind of looking at at the moment and just the general idea about pet loss and as I was saying about Rupert and with your cat as well anybody's experienced the loss of their pet um, dog or cat or whatever it may be they, they go through that grieving process it's something I'm still you know, it's five months now and I'm, I'm still heartbroken it's a, a part of me is gone um, myself and Louise it's just it's unbearable. It's, you know, 11 and a half years old. We've been with Louise all that time, been with me for eight and a half years. And we spent so much time together. And it was just, you know, he's just a unique individual. He's a character. He loved every single person that he met. Everybody was his friend, a lovely dog. And, you know, for me, when he was, when he was around, the reason I started the campaign was the thought of somebody taking him from us. And the idea of what would I do? Where would I go? How would I how would I go on living? Um, that was that was the kind of inspiration. And then chatting to Sampa, chatting to Debbie Matthews, chatting to Jane Hayes at Dog Lost and finding all these different people coming to me and asking, you know, can you help put stuff on Twitter and that kind of stuff and other social media, just trying to get the message out for these lost and stolen pets. And I was like, something bigger has to be done. It, you know, these stolen posters are really important. You need to keep putting them out, keep sharing them. But we need to find a way in which we can actually get to the root of this issue, which includes changing the law. And that's where these pet theft reform campaign petitions started coming out. We've had, this is the fifth one now. We've had three in my name, which have passed 100,000. We had an independent one, which we support and promoted, which had over 300,000. And now the current one, Make Pet Abduction a Specific Criminal Offence, is just over 15,000. So again, going for 100,000, showing the public support. This is, this is something which is important to everybody that has a pet. It's something which can happen to anybody. Well, absolutely. And, you know, the thing was government during lockdown, I mean, we did a podcast uh, I guess it must have been in t- 2021 and you you weren't available to join us but um, Ian Duncan Smith kindly stepped in <laughs> as he really at that time took to the reins really and turbocharged the pet theft reform into fitting in with the animal kept bill sentience bill in in brackets yeah. which unfortunately seems to have been well it has been shelved hasn't it Dr Dan? It has yes it's Ian Duncan Smith has done an amazing job supporting and promoting this uh, within Parliament. He's, he's been absolutely amazing. And it's, it's something where he, he's looked at this issue. It's something which, again, he's, you know, like a lot of us, has, has dogs and had dogs in the past and recognises that bond. 
and it was because of him and his, his, his kind of work with people like Priti Patel and other people within the, the government at that time that the Pet Theft Task Force was created. It was a government initiative. Um, the research which was taking place um, from all manner of different folk led to the recommendation of having a pet abduction offence, specifically looking at dogs initially, uh, with the option of including other pets afterwards. And it, it ended up going in the kept animals bill. And we were kind of really, really, really happy that had happened. Uh, but the problem with that bill is it had so much in there, not particularly controversial issues, but there, what we found that there, there were things which could become controversial, not, nothing to do with pet abduction. Uh, it was other stuff within the bill, this Christmas tree bill, which led to it being postponed and postponed and postponed and then eventually dropped. So in May 2023, the bill was dropped. It was a government bill, which was promised, um, you know, pet abduction had that pet theft task force in place, which made that recommendation. Yet at the moment, we're in limbo. We're waiting to see what's going to happen. Apparently, and hopefully, fingers crossed, all the things within that bill are still going to come through and become law uh, as individual um, bills. Personally, I don't think that's possible within the time available, but hopefully that there will be things such as pet abductions, such as um, puppy imports, such as um, ear cropping and so forth, that will make its way through. But it's, it's going to be really tight. Um, so that's the reason for this petition is, is really kind of making sure that people are aware that all of our past signatures, and there's been hundreds of thousands, almost, you know, almost over half a million They've all done really well in terms of getting pet theft reform to where it is at this stage, but we need to keep putting, keeping the pressure up. We need to keep showing that, that you know, pets and dogs in particular aren't specific, they're not just personal property. You know, they're, they're not, they shouldn't be looked at in terms of monetary value when it comes to sentencing. We, wanna, we want the government to recognise the emotional and welfare impacts this crime has on people and pets. So the pet abduction offence is something which could show that it will demonstrate that and it will also make it easier then to change and have reforms within certain organizations such as the police such as veterinary practices and so forth so it's a very complicated puzzle i suppose pet theft reform but it will all come together at some stage right gosh i, I really do hope so i mean do you think the the tricky sticking point is making animals sentient yeah that's it's something i've been looking at the sentience bill and it's something which it, it does seem to be slightly problematic it doesn't seem to be inclusive of the things again which were being promised and that was being promised way back before brexit wasn't it um in terms of in, enshrining sentience into british law mm. um I, i'm not a, a legal expert it's just in relation to my speaking to other people from the legal profession and so forth it's something where you know if, if sentience had been enshrined into law you know that would be taken into account in relation to the theft act in relation to the sentencing guidelines of pets being stolen or abducted it hasn't been so. <laughs> no, no, it's just quite funny. I mean, it's quite funny. Um, it's just that I know lawyers when they're um studying to be a lawyer, the first case they they ever study is that you can never sue a vet because animals are chattel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, damage as opposed to yeah. Yes, everyone can think about that for a few seconds. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I feel that's partly the main stumbling block, actually. Yeah. So so working on this sort of chattel versus sentient issue, Dan, do you think it's down to you know, semantics and language that dog theft, you know, you think of you steal a car or but you think of dog abduction, you abduct children. Yeah, I, I think the language is important. Um, and I think that's something which we've kind of worked hard to sort of 
start changing, I suppose, in terms of the public, in terms of the political uh, debates about this. Um, pet theft reform now, obviously theft is something which is in place in relation to chattel, which is any animals at this stage, which are companions um, or livestock or whatever. Um, abduction is important here, I think. Make, to make pet abduction a specific criminal offence is saying, well, actually, it's beyond theft. It's more than property is something whereby they are sentient they are family members uh, in the way in which other abduction would be in the same you know be said in the same way um, obviously we're not equating it to exactly the same crime but we are saying that it isn't simply theft it's not simply uh, taking a personal property it's not chattel it's something where they are individuals they have their own um, likes their dislikes they they have their own needs they have their own connections and bonds um, and people who are taking these animals from their family environments are, you know, taking a lot away from this. It's going to have an emotional and a welfare impact on those on those stolen dogs. Um, so it's, it's a gradual transition between saying stolen, or, or, you know, stolen and theft is something which is happening now in relation to the law. So that's the language which people recognise. What we've gradually done, I suppose, over the past two years is move towards abduction. Uh, because they are being abducted. They are family members which are taken from, um, you know, they're forcibly removed. Um, and it's it's got similar impacts, uh, some may say the same, as that forced separation between uh, other family members. Uh, we're, not, we're not equating it to, you know, other types of abduction. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to get recognition for pets, um, which they rightly deserve, uh, because... Currently, the law is outdated. Currently, you know, saying that any of your pets, any of your dogs or cats are simply chattel is wrong. It's completely wrong. Well, of course uh, it not. is. No, no, they're not. And and what I think is very interesting, to be honest, is how one angle to really push, which I know you have, is the science behind this. You know, let's go to science. In 1967 or 68, the science to prove that dogs and cats, not so much cats, they're much more difficult to do these experiments on because they're cats. But with dogs, we know they have emotional intelligence now. But we we only really decided we knew that about... Mm, 13 years ago so not awfully long when you think of the yeah. history of us living with dogs but you know technology like the MRI scan we've got the science behind this now to change the word from theft to abduction quite honestly didn't exist in 1967 because MRI scans hadn't been invented but you know 13 years ago over in the states first in Atlanta and then in New York they've proved that dogs do have emotional intelligence by studying brain scans in certain situations showing that dogs do definitely have the same neuro responses in to certain stimuli that humans do in their brains so they certainly are definitely now scientifically definitely not chattel they also a very recent episodic um, memory study in Denmark proved that dogs do remember certain situations as being scary as being great and episodic memory was once actually only thought to be in the realm of humans but about five years ago some Danish scientists did totally prove that dogs do have episodic memory as well so these sort of scientific studies surely also should be put forward to government to prove from a science perspective that we're not dealing with a, a laptop <laughs> Yeah, most definitely. I think that that you, you absolutely 
spot on. It's, you know, there's science in place that recognises that. You know, the evidence base that we've been building from a kind of social perspective as well in terms of the families involved, it's all kind of quite, you know, obvious stuff, but it hasn't been researched before. And I think with all these things, you know, pet theft reform is an evidence-based campaign, um, obviously creating doing research or creating evidence uh, based upon what you're finding is a long drawn out process, but it's something which we're doing and that's also informing, but you're quite right in terms of that science, that hard evidence there that, you know, uh, there should be that recognition. Um, that's definitely something which we'll, I think we'll integrate that more in the future as well, because it's, it's something which is, you know, it's, it's evidence. It's there. It's that they're not chattel. No, no. And, you know, the, the great things they, they dogs do for us. I mean, so much now is being sort of masked and almost not belittled, but, you know, humanisation um, of dogs, you know, has sort of reached epic proportions recently. Mm. And I think a lot of people who aren't particularly perhaps dog friendly are looking in on the world and they maybe think it's a tad extraordinary you know and not everyone likes dogs you have to navigate the world always understanding that you might be just six feet away from somebody who's afraid of dogs or or just is allergic or doesn't like them and that's absolutely fine you have to recognize that as as a a proper dog owner but um I I just feel yeah you know there is this science there and the great benefit that dogs bring us that's all scientifically proven as well and in an age where you know mental health now is thankfully you know recognized as a definite condition that can be induced by loneliness by overuse of technology you know we are living very differently in a very short time I think um you know I'm 58 now you know and I feel the world's changed massively in my time as being a grown-up crazy you know the internet didn't even exist when I brought my first dog (laughs) dog into my life Molly when I was a grown-up you know that's and then now look everybody's buying dogs on the internet (laughs) selling them on the internet just with a click of a mouse and I feel we've got that going on it's all a bit mixed up isn't it Dan Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's ever changing, isn't it? And I think it's something where where dogs get sort of pulled into this. Uh, there's various different agendas, I suppose, for different things which are happening, and obviously money making becomes a big part of this as well. But the, the changes have become massive, and it's, it's something whereby I think, you know, if you're thinking about how important dogs are to us, you know, I, I Rupert changed my my life um, for the better. It was amazing. He's made me a better person uh, just by being with him for all those years. And I think if if you think about the let's think about assistance dogs. Think about all the different ways in which assistance dogs are so beneficial, or just dogs with jobs that are doing various different things across the world. And they're the ones which are specially trained to do perform certain practices and certain uh, activities or exercises, whatever it might be. And you know that's that's also within our our dogs. You know, they're not trained in the same way, but I suppose the desire to want to be able to um, make us happy, make humans happy is always going to be there. And whether that's the case of, you know, in terms of being trained to be a guide dog, whether that's to be a case to be a, a, a bomb sniffing dog, or if that's just a case of your dog being on the sofa next to you and going out for a walk every day and getting the ball when you throw it. I think that's something which is which makes dogs so important. It's just that that, that bond that we have with them uh, between you, uh, your family members and that individual is so important. It's so strong. And I, I think that's the other the other thing which, you know, 
I suppose looking at it in relation to the, the changes to the internet and the world, you just want to protect them even more because there's more ways in which they as individuals can be, um, you know, um, exploited, exploited. <laughs> that's the word. Yeah. And, and that's, and I think that's the other thing, you know, with, with pet theft reform, getting this pet abduction offense, it's that recognition. It's, it's saying, look, they deserve our protection. Uh, not just as individuals, as families, but as a society, we should be protecting our pets. We should be protecting the people that have pets. And at the moment, I don't think that's happening. No, and I, I think this is brilliant, you know, and obviously the link to sign this petition, Dan, will definitely be in the show notes. Don't worry about that. I just feel, you know, look, we've, well, you know, as an animal geographer, we've we've shared our life with dogs for over 30,000 years. Yeah. You know, I believe we are partly dog, you know, because we've <laughs> evolved so, you know, slowly but surely over all those years, you know, eating the same food, breathing the same air, all of this. So it's epigenetic. So it's very, very interesting, this bond but ultimately you see I believe that we did such a great job of domesticating the dog that they fulfill the one thing that the human condition lacks okay and that is unconditional love because if you think about it it doesn't really exist really truly truly on a human level but the dog has it you know they they don't care if yeah. you, you haven't done your roots they don't care if you can't fit into those trousers they are true i i see dogs you see as the truth and i also believe you can't lie to a dog because you can't because of their huge olfaction they yeah. know everything and more than that you know their their capacity to tune into you know, the sixth sense, they're so knowing that they are the most extraordinary creature and they deserve our respect. I mean, they are supposed to be man's best friend. But the way I look at it now, a bit like you're saying, is that hmm, we could be turning into their worst enemy. Yeah, I think I, I think so. It's, it's just, you know, there's that innocence and that vulnerability. You, know, you get all the bad press in the media about dogs. But beneath beneath, you know, those sorts of, things which can happen there is that there is that kind of vulnerability that innocence that that need to be connected with with people and I think that's something where we, we really do you know they've been so good to us over the thousands of years as you say uh, it's, it's it's about time that we do some good things for them I think and I think the thing is also, yeah, you know, definitely stopping pet abduction, but also learning to understand how dogs communicate with each other so we can communicate better with them. Because I argue all the time on lots of media at the moment, you know, I defend dogs, you know, yeah. a lot of these awful tragic accidents that have happened and more of them are happening, actually, which is a massive worry. They all could not have happened yeah because I don't think people understand the greatness of of the dog but they are dogs and I think a lot of the problems we have with dogs at the moment is thinking that they are little people in furry yeah. suits yeah and they're so much greater than that they are a species in their own right I most definitely I think at the beginning when we were chatting you know you mentioned the fact that so many dogs were bought during lockdown and that's partly I'd say I, 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 again I'm not a dog trainer or behaviorist it's just obviously the area which you're in but it's, it's something where I, I think you know that lack of socialization that the fact they weren't meeting other people they weren't meeting other dogs during that period has had a massive implication on, on what's happening 
um, what can be happening today, I suppose. And it's just, it's so important, as you say, to make sure that dogs are trained, that they, they, you do understand their behaviours, you know what you should do and what you shouldn't do to prevent uh, certain things from happening. You know, even whether it's dog abduction or whatever, you know, in terms of um, dogs fighting each other or attacks and quotation marks or whatever, um, you know, keeping a dog on a lead at certain times is going to be beneficial um, in terms of preventing certain things from happening, whether that's them being abducted or, you know, running across the road and getting run over or um, attacking a sheep, whatever it might be. So there's, it's, it's just, I suppose, recognizing what your, what your dog needs and what it doesn't need, recognizing the spaces in which you are in with your, with your dogs as well is something which needs to be thought about more carefully. Um, but, yeah, that's it's it's definitely a very difficult situation, isn't it? Yes, and you know when you think twenty percent of the four million dogs that arrived in in this tight three year space, no thought had gone into the dog. What type of dog? You know, how big was it going to grow? What was it originally bred to do? You know, all yeah. of these fundamental things. So a lot of ignorance, basically. So none of this is the fault of the dogs. So right. yeah, and I, I just hope it all falls out okay because of course you know it was the pandemic that fueled all of the, the the dog theft as it is still called yeah, um yeah. as well but in you know at least you know in a way that's raised awareness for this campaign and I, I actually agree with you in terms of the the kept bill when I looked at it as well I thought gosh there's so many things in this I mean yeah. what actually does this kept bill mean you know we're talking about livestock in it in one minute and then we're talking about puppies being bred in Ireland and smuggled over in another second and and um, you know tying in with the passport controls and then there's dog abduction in there as well and, yeah. and it was just all a bit of a muddle I think not nearly clear enough I don't think. No there was there was far too much in there which could then be requested for revisions could then be requested or opposition could be made it's you know had livestock uh, export which has you know been long supported and long campaigned for it had primates as pets had zoo stuff in there as well in terms of improving standards and so forth there's a lot of information in there and if you think about how many stakeholders are involved and how you know in certain instances people will want to make changes to the bill at certain stages that works its way through the parliament um i think the thing which slipped up with this one was the fact i think it's in relation to dogs, leads, um, livestock, worrying and so forth. And then certain dogs in the countryside, which are off leads uh, on a regular basis, involved in fox hunting. So that that ended up being the, the thing, the yeah. sticking point, which has ended up the whole bill disappearing and just being dropped because there were controversial things there, which probably wouldn't have been able to be amended. Um, so and it would have been presumably embarrassing um, in relation to what's being said in relation to the bill all of it kind of you know it's 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 it's, it's politics isn't it? that's how politics works I know. But it's, it's, it's just it such was a shame the hunting, it's just though. Such... <laughs> it was the hunting that stopped yeah. it i know which oh gosh i've been so anti-hunting all my life you know and the, the funny thing is at the moment I mean, you know, I live in Hackney. I've got so many foxes. It's ridiculous. Well, that's why I think poor Gremlin fell foul to, sadly, people are 
trying to poison me around here. I know because there's there are, there are too many and they are wild, you know, they're wild animals. And But I, I don't think there are any in the shires anymore, foxes. So I don't know, where do you live, Dan? Do you ever see a fox in the wild? I don't know how hunting Not can very happen. Often. I'm, I'm based up at Keel, uh, living Keel Village in Staffordshire. So I, I don't think I've ever seen a fox up here. I've seen oh, badgers you... and hedgehogs and um, loads of squirrels, but um, yeah, yes. never seen never seen a fox around here oh we'll come we come down to hackney honestly <laughs> you'll, you'll have a blast seriously <laughs> i often have four or five in the garden at a time at the moment it's a bit of a well, worry for me though actually mm. because a couple of times you know my little dog mr binks um you know he's an english toy terrier so he's very small yeah. he's not a lot bigger than a chicken and i saw the vixen one morning coming down my garden path literally stalking him poor oh. little mr binks nicknamed willie had his tail tucked under his legs oh. the interesting thing about him was he didn't run and you know you know that's the thing you never run away if, if you're frightened of a dog in a park the worst thing you should do is ever run and yeah. Binks was proving that in reality he had a fox 10 times bigger than him basically just stalking behind him really slowly but Binks was just doing a steady trot steady trot <laughs> he wasn't going to go into a gallop because he knew if he galloped the fox would gallop and that would have been it but luckily I caught it all through the window banged on the window and the, and the vixen I had a she's gone now and left her cubs you know because obviously there's the maternal instinct with all animals goes at eight weeks and it's like right toodaloo <laughs> now you fend for yourself you know and that, and that's all also extremely interesting which you all know it's an animal geographer but yes yes so the foxes I and mean, it's such a conundrum so Yes, but it, I think you're absolutely right. It was still this political issue of who to stay on side with due to hunting, which, to be honest, I, I thought it was banned. Was it unbanned? Yeah, it was, it's meant to be banned, so it's um, under the Hunting Act. But I think there's so many loopholes within that which are being which have been exploited and exposed over the past you know, two decades almost now. So, yeah, it's something which... But really, you know, if, if, if changes want to be made in relation to that, that, that the bill would be that bill to be rev revised as opposed to the, the kept animals bill. But yeah, as you say, that's politics, but it's, it's, a, it's a, a case of just keeping on. It's keep on, you know, being positive. And I think that's the main thing when it comes to animal campaigning. Uh, there's so many negative things which are happening, which a lot of the campaigns are trying to reduce from happening. It's just to be positive. You have to, you have to keep, keep going. Um, I know it's disappointing, but it's just a case of keep working with the people who are helping, you know, say good things about the politicians that are, you know, raising their voice for, for against pet abduction uh, with their organizations who are helping share and so forth. Every single member of the public who signs a petition it's, and people say, well, do government petitions really work anymore? Well, I think, I think, the pet theft reform campaign is a good example of showing how it does work. You know, we've managed to get a pet theft task force created, um, which was, is pretty, pretty good. And then we managed to get the offence into the kept animals bill. Um, it, it will become law at some point. It's just the question is when it's whether I suppose this government wants to do it or the next government wants to do it. Um, it's, it's not going to go away. Um, the pets and dogs in particular being stolen is going to continue happening. Um, there needs to be changes for it to start reducing um you know we've already started to see that after the lockdown dog theft seemed to reduce there seemed to be more scams happening where people were thinking well I don't even need to steal a dog anymore i can just say i have and scam money out of people luckily the police are cracking down on that but what we're starting to see is now the prices you know they've, they've come down dogs and pups but they're starting to go up a little bit more again 
And I think what will happen eventually, uh, obviously there's, there's still a lockdown dogs which are ending up in rescues for all the obvious reasons, but this is always going to be a low-risk, high-reward crime until there are changes to the law and changes to the way in which organisations um, react to this crime. So we need to keep going. We need to. We can't give up. There's too many families who are still searching for their stolen, abducted dogs and cats uh, who are still searching. And that's the reason to keep going with this. It's the fact that there are dogs and cats which will be found uh, due to the ongoing kind of uh, media exposure. Uh, and that's important. I think it's about reuniting families. It's about helping future families um, get reunited with their pets more quickly. And it's also trying to deter the criminals from saying, we'll do this crime. During the lockdown, people, you know, criminals, organised crime, this is, who would previously be doing stuff in relation to drugs, they were moving direction towards stealing dogs and puppy farms because it was a less risk in terms of if they were to be caught, the sentence they'd get. So, you know, there's the people that do this, they're, you know, very savvy in relation to the crimes in which they do. It's not something whereby you think, oh, you know, they don't know anything. Of course they do. But this, this is how they make money. It's how they live their lives. It's their careers. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, they're going to do the best they can to make the most money. And if they are caught, they get the less the less sentence as possible. <laughs> well, that's it. And, you know, as you say, the price is going up. So, you know, it depends how many puppies you're you're selling, you know, um, that you've nicked and then you're reselling. You know, it's going to add up, isn't it? It's worth doing it. It's worth, but the point is, it's worth them, nasty people, taking the risk, I suppose. Yeah, and if, and if people, you know, if people aren't buying dogs, people steal the dogs and then they'll ask for the, they'll ask for the reward money. You know, and a lot of people will pay more reward money than people would actually buy for a new pup or a dog which has been you know, of a certain age. So I think there's, there's still, you know, because the way in which the crime is changing as well, I think it's something which it needs to be sorted out uh, at this higher government level. Um, and it's, it's, you know, a change in law won't just stop this crime. As, as we mentioned earlier on, it's something where dogs are always going to be stolen and abducted, cats the same uh, for different reasons. But I think by starting to make these changes, sort of saying, look, we're taking this more seriously now. Uh, it's not a low risk, high reward crime. It's something where you, if you do get caught, you might end up with two years in prison, you know, and it might make some, not everybody, it might make some think, well, actually, I'll do something else. Um, I'll go back to stealing those TVs and um, laptops and plant pots or whatever it might be yeah. but there needs to there needs to, something has to happen because otherwise gonna, you know people have been talking about this for i don't know 20 years you know look debbie matthews her dogs were stolen back in 2006 i think it was gizmo and widget uh, from an mns car m and s car park out of the car and she's been campaigning ever since um and nothing's changed yet we need to we need to for people like debbie who has been campaigning so long we need to say look We've got to the stage now where we've been promised these changes. We know they're the right thing to do. So why not just implement them? And then we can make further changes, which will be much easier to implement, working with the police, working with the veterinary profession, working with um, database companies um, and so forth. Yeah, and I think the change in the law will really help on the database companies because, and and yeah, connecting them with the vets. I mean, I just say, look, there's too many of these database companies. I mean, how confusing is it? Like, very. I think it, you know, we need as a way of helping, you know, the whole dog problem. I'm a, I sounds simplistic, but 
I just can't see why it can't happen. Just make it more DVLA, you know, so you have the software must exist that could be copied and transferred to dogs. You know, you've got your microchip number. It's like your number plate. It's like, I can't see it's that difficult. And, and, you know, change of ownership might happen, you know, you know what I mean, but not considering a dog as a car here, I must just say that, but the technology, you know, you've got one database and that way I think it would make it a lot more simple. And also, you know, sometimes it's quite difficult to change your microchip, you know, it actually costs some money on some uh, data databases and and it is actually a bit more tricky than you think so I had to move house a couple of times you know, a few years ago and it wasn't the easy one click easy peasy thing to do I remember no. it took me over a day to do three pets <laughs> you know um so and then people don't change the the details and that doesn't help so it's- there's a lot that needs to be changed, I think. It needs to be tightened up, particularly because we are now living with 11 million plus dogs in yeah. this country and it's growing. And they are really, you know, now so integral in society, as you say. And we are living more isolated lives. Dogs bring us the best companionship possible. And they're the gateway to the outdoors and our stress busters. And we must yeah. never forget this. Definitely. No, definitely. I, I, it- it needs to be sorted out. It's something, you know, in terms of the, the microchipping situation, the, the campaign to make chips count, uh, which is kind of built upon Fern's law, which again is Debbie Matthews, uh, Vets Get Scanning as well, and Sampa and so forth. We, we had a petition a, a few years back, I think we got about 25,000 signatures to make chips count. And what we want is a centralised database, which the authorities can access. Um, so at the moment, I, I've lost count of how many database companies are, I think it's 22 or 23, which is far too many. Um, You know, it started off with a few and now there's ever growing numbers, but that centralized database whereby, you know, vets and police, um, rescues, wardens can access and get that information rather than having to sort of scan the chip, get the number, put the number into the internet to find out the check chipper and then phone up the, whichever database it is, some of them don't answer the phone. Uh, they're meant to. You have to email them then. Some of them take ages to email back. It's just a, it's just a really, really long, convoluted, complicated, uh, ineffective system at the moment. And what's really scary is they're adding cats to it. Um, right. Seeing, well, seeing but- that as a, as a really amazing thing. It is right. amazing that they are, be adding, are being added. I think cats should be microchipped. And they should be, that should be compulsory and it should go into these databases. But there should be a centralised database. It should be simple. It should be effective. It shouldn't just be a case of you have to do this. What we need to think about is what happens if your pet gets missing or is abducted. Exactly, exactly. Well, Dan, look, everyone's got to sign the petition. I've so enjoyed this chat and let's stay in touch. And I really love to do an update on the progress of this. And I really hope government, you know, sharpens its pencil. Yeah, th- thank you ever so much. Anna. I know you've been a, a long going, long supporter of pet theft reform. So we really do appreciate it. Um, yeah, you, you've, you've helped loads over the years. So thank you ever so much. And thanks for having me on the show. No, thank you. Thank you. our show Mr Binks what did you think yes it is really good what Dr Dan Allen along with Sampa and Vets Get Scanning are doing to make change and to recognize pets as sentient beings and with much harder consequences for these organized criminals I hope you all enjoyed it if you did please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts Thanks again to Dr. Dan Allen for joining us today. 
please sign the petition. The link is in the show notes. Thanks again, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer for all the music and production as ever. And find out more about him at Pod People UK. And I'm just at Anna Web Dogs. <laughs> What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe? Because guess what? It's free. And that way, you'll never miss another show. Bye for now. Bye.